life is complicated and overwhelming enough, especially for those in mission-driven work. Let's make your journey to health as simple and sustainable as possible. I'm Lisa Baker, and I want to welcome you to the Simply Health Coaching Podcast, where it's the food and it's more than the food. On this podcast, we'll talk about the food that you put in your mouth and everything else in your life that nourishes you or doesn't. With special attention paid to the problems and opportunities facing women over 40 burning out in mission-driven work. Season 1 focused on the food we put in our mouths and a few other parts of our lives that can affect our relationship with that food. In Season 2, we're focusing on conversations with women burning out in mission-driven work, conventional and alternative practitioners who support them, and with others whose lives intersect with them and their organizations in particular with individuals looking to implement innovative ways to fund the holistic health of these women. My vision is a world in which you can be well while doing good. My mission is to give you the simple resources and practices and some helpful connections to get there. Let's get started. Hello, I'm here today with Janice Eisman, who is the founder of My Body Couture. Uh, Janice helps people feel better in their body. And like most business owners today, she sees clients online and in person. And her specialty is helping people rid themselves of pain. She's certified in both fitness and nutrition modalities and has been quoted as a lifestyle expert in Reader's Digest, Prevention, and women's health, and she's a regular contributor to Elephant Journal. We'll be talking a little bit more about one of those articles. And she's not just a textbook of knowledge with a wall full of certifications. She's a very real person who has lived through her own lifestyle and body challenges and is a lone parent business owner. So welcome, Janice. Thank you. It's great to have you. I know. I'm very excited. Janice and I have been trying to make this work for about three months, so you don't know how excited we both are that it finally happened, but I like to say that these things happen on the universe's timeline, not ours, so there's probably a really good reason it didn't happen until just now. So, as a health coach, I often talk about our food and lifestyle choices as being kale or kryptonite. They either nourish us or they can toxify us. So tell us, Janice, what's your kale? What's the one thing you try to do daily that has the most impact on living a healthy life? Go for a walk. Yay! So this one is the simplest thing ever. And I'm a, I mean, as for the introduction, I'm a movement specialist. So I coach people in all kinds of different movement modalities. I'm also a health coach. And at the end of it, the simplest solution is the one that I actually implement myself regularly because we really do underestimate the power of moving the body. Many of us focus on exercise, but it's really that movement that we need to get. Hmm. I love that. I am a devoted walker. I have a, a dog who is my personal accountability, my personal trainer and accountability buddy. So we are out there more than the U.S. Postal Service these days. Rain, sleep, <laughs> snow, we're always out there. <laughs> and it's yeah, I, I just cannot agree more about taking a walk daily, just moving your body. Last um, summer, I actually, I actually walked my way through a pair of Havianas, those those plastic shoes. I had no idea you could actually walk those to the bone, but you can. <laughs> Indeed. <laughs> yep. I'm always like, oh, it's time to buy a new pair of shoes. Yeah. <laughs> so what's the opposite? What's your kryptonite? What sometimes sneaks in that maybe is not the healthiest choice? Overworking. Oh, yes. 
Um, so I actually, I have a lot of passions. I have a lot of interest. I do everything that I do and take on is something that I love. And I just really love too much. And (laughs) and (laughs) I'm very passionate. I end up sometimes a little overcommitted and Mm. it's really hard for me to kill my darlings because they're all my darlings. Yeah. Yeah. So you're multi-passionate. Well, that, that is a recipe for overwork right there. It is. So I would love for you to tell us your own sort of burnout story because you, you have, you have had an interesting life. (laughs) Thank you. So as you mentioned, I wrote an article for Elephant Journal about lone parenting and in that article, I actually detailed what it is like to live the life of a lone parent. Now, the core perspective that I was speaking from was a lone parent of a young child. So at the time when I wrote it, he was nine, but really what inspired it was a time earlier in his life when I was still running a fledgling business and it's bricks and mortar. So it's not it's not a joke. I have rent to pay over there, clients to build, etc. And then I would come home and just be in the thick of all the parenting stuff. And and a child at age four, three, five, just a delightful stage. But I would turn around and fold laundry and he would unfold it as fast as I was folding it. (laughs) And I would turn around and, you know, need to wash the dishes and he would be making a break to get out of the apartment to go play. Yes. (laughs) Uh, This is just, this is just children. And so it was, it was very hard and sort of in the background of all of that, it was just, you know how you said the universe conspires the universe definitely conspired. So in it, within a, about a year and a half window, we live in a condo building in a downtown neighborhood, completely safe and wonderful area. And a prostitute moved in upstairs. So literally every day we had drug addicts in our building. We had uh, a pimp in our building. There was domestic disputes here. So our living situation really took a tank. And I don't have, I'm not prepared for that, especially with a young child. Um, I fell on some ice and damaged my tailbone. My body hurt. My purse was stolen. My wallet was stolen. My office was broken into in all separate incidents unrelated to the other items happening at home. I had, I can't remember if it was one or two car accidents. I was not at fault. I wasn't even in my car, but you know, one of them, my car actually got totaled. (laughs) Um, And I wasn't in the vehicle etc 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 and so oh my eardrum burst my son's eardrum burst and so it was like every angle of life where you know the our home environment was turned upside down because our upstairs neighbor was conducting a home-based business (laughs) (laughs) nice euphemism um my body was you know, my tailbone had gotten injured, my eardrum burst, which is a crazy thing to happen because I I don't know if that's happened to you, but it basically makes you deaf and sensitive at the same time. Um, I had things getting stolen left, right, and center, which was super bizarre because in the other years of my life, I mean, I was like, wow, I I don't think I've ever had anything stolen. And now it's like, I I can't, I have to nail everything down. (laughs) 
<laughs> nail um, that child down for starters. Right? <laughs> and so in, in any other window, one of those things would have been, you know, kind of crappy, but it was like literally without exaggerating once a week, there was this kind of thing to deal with. And that was kind of outside of what was happening upstairs in the apartment. So I'm trying to operate a business. I'm trying to parent a child. And that combination alone is a lot. And then there's these external circumstances between my body and, and you know, whatever's happening that just made things intense in this. I had to emotionally process all of these things for anybody who's ever had a car accident, you know, you have to go through all this paperwork and you have to make all these calls and you have to do all this stuff. And I would just finish that. And, oh, okay. Now it's, you know, I had, now it's something else. Right. Totally. I had three insurance claims open at one time and I've never had an insurance claim in my life. So it was, it was a lot. And at the end of it, I didn't have emotional or physical support. So it's like, okay, we just keep trudging on. We just keep dealing with this. We just, we just make it work. And then, and then like the denouement was, I actually came down with a, with a, um, unusual strain of salmonella. And so the, the health department called me and said, you're going to be acutely ill for four to six months. And I actually remember where I was standing. I remember physically where I was standing when they told me that. And I was like, I do not have time for this. And I do not have the capacity. And that's what I said to him. I'm like, I don't have time for that. And he's like, well, (laughs) (laughs) I'm sorry. That's not, not an option right now. (laughs) Right. So my burnout was really caused by just these multiple heavy inputs of demand from literally everywhere. And it kind of wasn't something that I could just say, okay, I'm edging towards burnout. I better slow down at work. I better rest my body. It, it kind of became this whack-a-mole where there just wasn't, there wasn't any one thing I could do or cut out. And so I remember just getting into this state and it was actually painful, embarrassing for me because I'm a movement specialist, but where exercise felt like it was too much. I remember calling my girlfriend and saying, Shavasana feels like too much. And and I think it actually was like just the act of, I have to do, Mm -hmm. I have to get into this pose. So, I mean, we kind of come into Shavasana on our couch in a way, but just the act of saying, okay, I'm going to actively engage in relaxation was too much. Yeah. So at that point, I, I actually, again, this was a gift from the universe. I had a client who was a referral and I, I don't know if she even saw me more than once, but she came in and talked about burnout and she said, you know, it takes about five years to recover from that. <gasps> I had the same reaction. I was like, Oh, <laughs> it's not going to go well. Um, but it really did set off something in me where I had some permanent conditions in there, the child, the business. And so I was going to have to manage my way around those and learn what burnout even felt like. I was raised on a farm. Work ethic is really strong right here. And so how could I see it coming? How could I do this differently? How could I, it it did really take five years to actually fully recover from all that. So that, that's kind of how I got into the hole. (laughs) <laughs> and how did you get out? <laughs> well, it was it was really, really, really 
a five-year process. Mm -hmm. And because of my profession in my head, I'm like, well, exercise and nutrition are the way. Yeah. But as already stated, that was overwhelming. I had a strong instinct to move towards yin yoga. So I had never, ever practiced yin yoga before. I'm going to be honest. I didn't even really know what it was, <laughs> but there was some force, greater information just sort of passed to me. I Googled yin yoga because of my job. I actually teach and or have clients at the same time as every other studio does. So I located a private yin teacher and that was really the gift because mm. So say more about what it is for those of us who don't know. Yeah. So it is a style of yoga and it's done on the floor. So there's no standing and it's based on the fascia system, which takes time to release. So holds are somewhere between three and seven minutes. So you mm. come into a single hold, like a pigeon pose or a spinal rotation, and then you just hang out there. You don't oh. do anything else. Yeah. That sounds so perfect right now. <laughs> yeah, right? And I mean, it it took seconds on Google for me to say exactly that. Like yeah. I can actually do some exercise, but I can also lay in it. Mm -hmm. And when I arrived at the session, I mean, I'm 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 great friends with her now. We actually went through a teacher training together. So she told me later, you know, when you first arrived, it was like your body was buzzing and I asked you to put your phone down and you were almost twitching because the idea of being separated from your phone was like, it, it was, it was almost traumatizing to me because I'm like, I'm going to miss something. There's something to be done. I probably have to file a paper. Who needs something? Client needs an answer. And so just taking that 60 minutes every week to turn that off and to lay in my body started to be the pathway out mm, that's beautiful and it was really difficult for me to actually wrap my head around the idea that that's all i needed to do right you didn't need to do anything really yeah. <laughs> right? yeah yeah and i think because i had a private teacher as well i had that accountability to return and i had somebody to be with me to be that mm -hmm. attuned presence that i actually didn't have anywhere else because as a lone parent i'm doing all this by myself yeah. And I'm in service to other people. I'm in service to my clients. I am a caregiver to my son. And I have warm and wonderful people in my life, but that's very different than a supportive spouse or mm -hmm. an attuned helper. Um, yeah. So she became that in a way where I could just go and yin is usually practiced in silence, but I definitely would. Blah, 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 blah. <laughs> and because it was private. So it yeah. really was whatever I needed. So if I needed to just get stuff out of my body verbally, well, that's what we were doing. If I needed to be quiet, that's what we were doing. So that was the start of the pathway out. And I really, I really had to, because of that salmonella, it actually took me multiple years and multiple practitioners to really get my gut health back on track. And I think that that's one thing that I would say I didn't fast track quite enough. No, I tried, <laughs> but I didn't understand what salmonella did. And I went to practitioners who said they did, but I got a strain of salmonella that uh, presents like typhoid fever. 
because typhoid fever actually is a strain of salmonella. And so what it does is it comes into your, into your gut and it completely mows down all of your little villi that digest food. So then I would eat protein and my body couldn't digest it. I would eat vegetables. My body couldn't digest it. So I ended up kind of like on a diet of the health coach in you is going to freak out right now. <laughs> really? I, I went towards like breads and potatoes and like food white you foods right sick. all those white yeah. foods white rice white potatoes white That's bread what yeah. yeah yeah and I mean I understand why my digestive system is like this is this is what we can tolerate yeah but I also ended up because I had come from a health coaching vegan diet heavy vegetables I I think that it actually also fed into exhaustion, fatigue, a sense of sluggishness, et cetera. So if I was to go back in time, when I finally, a number of years later, found a practitioner who could help and get my diet back on track, I mean, it was like, I was like, the rocket fuel is here. Yes. <laughs> yeah. 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 And then I, I just really started to pay attention to those little subtle cues of my body. Like when I'm losing it, sometimes I can stop it. Sometimes I can't, but just trying to pace myself, trying to actually be attentive to what's tired today versus what's actually bigger, tired, mm -hmm. et cetera. Yeah. Yeah. Oh, I love, I love, I mean, it's such a terrible story, but I love so many things about it. Just, you know, listening to it as a health coach, it's like, oh yes, well, of course it's going to take years. <laughs> like yeah. we're so used to this, like, oh, I'm just going to take a pill. It's going to be fine. 21 you days. <laughs> 21 yeah. days to change a habit. No. <laughs> no. no. <laughs> yeah. No, especially after something that is an actual medical issue or concern or situation. And what I did find I know they tried, but I did go to practitioners who kind of promised something like that. And, mm -hmm. you know, I was desperate almost to kind of feel better. And, you know, it just, at the end of it, actually, I did some research and found out that people who've had salmonella are at higher risk for Crohn's and colitis. Mm -hmm. And then I kind of dug underneath that and there was a supplement that I could take and I used some essential oils that are, you know, really favoritizing digestion mm -hmm. and the actual answer was really simple but it just took the it took the tools to help my body over that edge and it does still take time yeah but we also actually i mean i'm i'm not a huge fan i don't know if you are but i'm not actually a huge fan of like day-to-day -day supplements necessarily right yeah but i'm a huge fan of those kinds of tools when we actually need that hand Right. Yeah. I think for most people, um, and I think it was Michael Pollan who pointed this out that, you know, the people who take all those supplements are actually the ones who are already in pretty good health and can afford to eat good food and, and be healthy in that way. So, you know, people are taking them as an insurance policy and they're not really the person who needs to be taking them. <laughs> yeah. 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 So, and there are times when, yes, we really need them. Yes. Yes. And I took B12 and I took, yeah. um, so I think that what, what I really learned was that there is a two, I mean, this is an obvious statement, but there really is that two-way communication between the body and the brain. And when our brain is starting to get overwhelmed and overworked and overloaded, whether it's filling out insurance forms or dealing with, you know, a, a child who's young, 
it's going to actually send signals to our body to rest, to relax. And if we actually ride past those, then our body is going to say, whoa, I tried to tell you. <laughs> You're not listening. So yes. we're going to actually shout a little louder. Yeah. But yeah. conversely, our body is doing the same thing. So our body really, I think the key, key, key piece for me was listening to those signals of my body's exhaustion and not feeling weak, not feeling like a failure, not feeling yeah. like I need to push through. And I think we just, we still really have this strong cultural pull towards productivity, busyness, yes. willpower, yeah. habit building, optimizing time. And sometimes we need to just not do that. Yeah. We need to actually listen to, you know, last week I had, I had a whole week where I'm like, I just feel like a slug. And just to lean into that instead yes. of trying to push through my email sat, so, yeah. you know, yeah, I've been I've been sort of on a on a on the warpath against this word productivity this year. Yeah. It just seems like, you know, so many articles that you read, especially articles about burnout are all about how to get your productivity back. And it's kind of like, hmm, maybe maybe that's the problem right there. Maybe we don't need to be productive 100% of the time 24/7. You know. <laughs> well, and I think I think just having lived through this experience, I actually ended up becoming a yin yoga teacher. Mm -hmm. And so that really solidified and introduced the concept of that yin yang balance. Yes. So most of us are kind of visually familiar with it. Somewhere in the back of our head, there's that black and white circle with the squiggle. And we all have these qualities within us that need to be balanced. A lot of business and, and productivity and self-help literature is really on the one side of the circle. Yeah. It's, it's the very young, very masculine energy. Very young. Yeah. Yes. And I think especially for mothers, especially for caregivers, especially for actually, frankly, I don't, yin and yang are not linked to female and male, but we need to really be attentive as females that most of the books at the bookstore are written by males. Yes. So it's really kind of like seeing... that whole reference man thing. Like so much of the, the medical literature and research and exercise literature, it's all based on this guy named reference man. Who's a white male. He's like in his thirties, yes. he's 155 yes. pounds. That's the kind of people who are writing these business books too. hundred <laughs> percent. Yes. And so what I really, I mean, that would be a huge lesson that I extracted out of that too, because I mean, I have a business degree um, and I'm kind of steeped in some portion of that world on a certain level. And just to actually recognize that we don't always need to be optimizing our time. It's not all linear. It's not a spreadsheet. We're not robots. We can actually, one thing that really grinds me <laughs> is that habits are built in 21 days. Ugh. Well, okay. So I'm not going to dispute science or kind of dig into that, but what that does to our brains is suggests that in 21 days, we're going to actually act like a robot. There's not going to be any more bad days. There's not going to yeah. be any emotional interruptions. We're just going to have this habit and we've yeah. got this problem licked. And yeah. that's why it bothers me because it's just not true. I mean, yeah. And you might be glad to know that, that that has actually been disputed already scientifically. Now they're saying the average, the average time is 66 days. <laughs> so now there's another target to shoot for. But I totally agree with what you're saying because the other thing it does is it sets you up for this, okay, in 21 days, I'm going to be a different person. And when you get to 21 days and you're not a different person, then what happens? Then you're a failure. Right. 
right? right? And then you beat yourself up and then there's a spiral of negativity. It's like, no, 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 you're just a different person. Yes. (laughs) Whack-a-mole again. (laughs) And so I was not raised in this way. Um, You know, it was the seventies and, but the listen to your body, listen to your intuition, what information are you getting from your body? Like no one cared in 1978, you know, Mm -hmm. literally no one cared. Um, but that has been probably the greatest gift out of this. And I'm not, I'm still learning. I'm still mm-hmm. working with that. I'm still paying attention and being intentional about where is my body. Yeah. And to actually, my mental health doctor actually gave me this really great tip uh, that really comes from chronic illness management. We have a certain capacity every day to manage that's actually a complete sentence, but within that, we all have intellectual, physical, and emotional tasking. And so if you have a heavy emotional load today, you're probably needing to, you'll probably need to dial back on the intellectual and physical tasking. If you go out and exercise for four hours, you probably need to scale back on some of that intellectual tasking. And so getting that realistic idea that we are a hundred percent. And I think that's also why the habit literature drives me out of, out of my mind because there is truth to some of it, but what's missing from all of that is that we have emotions. Yeah. And if we don't actually recognize that we have to actually task that we have to process that. I mean, we have grief, we have shame, we have fear, we have all this stuff. And we just, we have a movement right now that says that we need to do mindset coaching around it. So it's all supposed to be positive, but it really isn't allowing it to flow through the body. So sometimes we need to just process, you know, whatever it is, mm-hmm. but we can have the, the most rock solid habit on the planet and lose it because we just have a day where we're, you know, yesterday I was yeah. like a fire breathing dragon. I'm like, ha, ha. <laughs> you know? And so that needed to come up and out of me and it wasn't done in a toxic way. It wasn't done to anybody else. It was just that my body had a lot of extra fire. And so some of my habits looked different yesterday. Oh, well, you know, and I think that that's one of the bigger pieces as well that I've really gotten out of this is that the pie is only hundred percent. Yeah. And I was trying to make each of those a hundred percent. So when I was trying to cope with the emotions of Literally, I, I called a helpline, a mental helpline, because I was like, I have no capacity and no understanding of how to deal with a prostitute and a pimp outside my window at five in the morning. Yeah. I don't know how. Yeah. I wasn't, I have no, not, no reference information in my mind. There's a child across the wall from them. I'm terrified <laughs> to walk yeah. up and down the hallway when there's a pimp right in my hallway. Yeah. And, you know, and, and, at that time, I gave that no emotional space. Yes, yes, yeah. Yeah, and you actually bring up that the, in, in the same article, you were talking some uh, about doing like a time management exercise. And I just thought that was so interesting because it, it speaks exactly to what you're saying now is that we're so concerned with managing, right? And, and it's like, we think about, we're gonna manage our time and we're gonna manage our money and we're gonna manage people in our yes. lives. And 
it just feels very, very contracting, very tight, right? And I always like to say, what if we were to talk about like stewarding your energy instead of managing your time, yeah. right? Like, and you have a certain amount of energy. So you steward it throughout the day because like, here's where I'm gonna spend some physical energy. Here's some emotional energy. Here's some intellectual energy. 100% done. <laughs> and checking in with each of those areas. And that, again, I mean, I mentioned kind of my background and how I grew up because that doesn't come naturally. And so I think there is also, for any woman out there who's ever heard messaging that this is natural to women because we're nurturing and we're in tuned and we're intuitive, if it doesn't come easily to you, yeah, me neither. I had to yeah. learn. <laughs> Let's just put that out there, right? <laughs> and so if it does, that's excellent and I'm very happy. But if it doesn't, just know that it is a skill you can learn. You can learn that awareness. You can learn to notice. You can you can learn that intuition. Um, because I actually think part of it is parenting and the culture that we grew up in and the the landscape that we grew up in. And even to some extent, well, a huge extent actually, just the era that we grew up in. I think the the Gen Z kids are getting something that looks very different culturally than what I got. But if you feel like when you look in your body for information and there's no information in there, it's a learnable skill. Yeah. Yeah. It doesn't mean, oh, I checked and I don't feel any emotions. Well, I don't have any, so I don't know what these ladies are even on about. (laughs) (laughs) No, that's beautiful. And it, it sort of leads me into my, my final question for you, which is, what do you think, either as a practitioner yourself or as someone who's gone through incredible burnout, what do you think could help women in this situation? Whether it's people or organizations or other resources, what, what's your go-to? I'm big on community building. Mm-hmm. And for me, one of the differentiating points between community and friends is community is a ladder and it's not reciprocal. So it could be somebody that works at the post office. It could be a mentor or mentee relationship. It could include a friend or family member, but community is a bit more transient. It, you may not even have the person's phone number. There's actually a man who works in my building that I say hello to literally every day. And I realized during the pandemic, after eight years of doing this, I didn't know his first name, (laughs) but you know, he's very much part of my community. He always kind of pops his head in the door and says, how's your son? How are you doing? How's business going? And just that he's looking out for me. Somebody is seeing me. And I'm very big on let's not do this alone. We talk about it takes a village. And I was someone who didn't have a village. So how do we get that village? We do it volunteering. We show up. We put ourselves where there's other people. And we just start to build that idea that community is not help, community is not friends, community is not family. And for me, part of that is taking the focus off of self-care and putting it towards community care. Mm, That's beautiful. Yes. Oh, self-care is such a buzzword these days, isn't it? Yeah, let's care for <laughs> we our do community. A whole other episode on that one. <laughs> we could. We should talk again. <laughs> well, that's great, and I want to end by giving you an opportunity to talk about what you offer and how people can find you if what you have been talking about resonates with them. Yeah, my business is called My Body Couture, and I primarily help people feel better in their bodies. So that 
covers a whole range of options and opportunities. A lot of people will get the work started when they feel those aches and pains in their bodies. So you sore backs or necks or shoulders, things like that. But it's at every range of, you know, I had a woman who is sedentary for 43 years and I had a five-time Olympic gold medal winner. So range. Yeah. Yeah. It's a huge range. So sometimes people here feel better aches and pains. That must mean it's like physio. It's not, it's basically teaching you how to live comfortably in your body. Part of that is actually emotions. So feeling and allowing it to process through. So I have training in nutrition, in movement modalities, as well as a psychotherapeutic technique. So we're kind of really looking at that integrated system and choosing whichever elements, whichever exercises, whichever techniques. I have a big toolkit, so I pluck Mm. out whatever is going to help you the fastest. So you can find me at mybodycouture.com, which is three words, my, M-Y, body, B-O-D-Y, couture, C-O-U-T-U-R-E, that's at the dot com. If you want to bypass that, you can just head over to Instagram or Facebook. Beautiful. All right. Thank you so much, Janice. I'm so glad we finally made this happen or the universe allowed us to do this finally. <laughs> yes, I agree. <laughs> and it sounds like we might need to do another episode down the line. I agree. <laughs> All right. Thanks so much. Thank you. Thanks for listening. Please note that any suggestions provided on this show are not meant to replace medical advice, and the opinions of the guests on this show are their own. And Simply Health Coaching and Elizabeth A. Baker LLC neither endorse nor take responsibility for statements made by guests. Let me know your thoughts about the episode and share your biggest takeaways and aha moments. And let me know who else you want to hear from on the topic of being well while doing good. You can send me a voice message directly through Anchor, as well as some of the other listening platforms. Please be sure to rate, review, and subscribe to the podcast in your listening app so you never miss an episode. Love the podcast? You can support it with a donation directly from the podcast homepage in most listening apps. If you'd like to know more about my work, visit my website at simplyhealthcoaching.com. As always, the link is in the show notes.